Amen. Thank you so much, Scott and the family there. It's just great just to be worshipping God together. And what a great song too. You're a good, good father. And that's my prayer for us as well today, that we know God is a good, good father. And uh, he's perfect in all of his ways. And we can know the ways of God, his perfect nature, his goodness and his kindness towards each and every single one of us. Well, I hope you're all well, and it's great to be able to come and bring God's word again to you this morning. And I uh, just pray that you're being encouraged by God's word as we're able to come and bring it each week. And I just count it a real privilege just to come and, and speak God's word. And I always endeavor to hear God's heart and uh, for the church and for you guys and for us all as we move forward, particularly through this time and this season. And I'm sure in time to come, we'll be looking back over over this over this time and where we have those those uh, those nuggets those things that God has spoken to our life that will remain there that will be able to pass on to others as well and I just pray that some of these Sunday meetings that we meet together that God will be speaking into your heart and your life as well well this morning I want to just be looking at uh, um, something that uh, may be a sensitive area for, for some people but nonetheless I believe God wants to speak his word into our hearts and lives because his word brings life his word brings freedom his word brings hope and change so I'm going to pray and then we're going to come and, and listen to what God has got to say to us this morning so father we thank you lord indeed that we do come to a good father lord that indeed you are perfect in all your ways and Lord, I pray, Lord, as we come to your word, that we'd hear your whisper into our hearts, would hear your voice speaking into the depth of our lives, Lord. Lord, would know your voice more than we've known it before. And Lord, we just thank you that you care for us, that you love us. And Lord, that you're God who guides us and you will guide us through. Lord, so speak to us this morning. Use me as your vessel in Jesus' mighty name. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen. Well, I want to start by reading Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. This is a tremendous verse. It's, a, it's another favorite of mine. Um, I'm going to read the New Living Translation. But it says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another translation puts it this way. It says, watch your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the, the wellsprings of life. See, God is encouraging us in the scripture to, to watch our hearts, to guard our hearts, because it will affect what happens to our hearts and how we, we live in our lives and what we allow into our hearts and what comes out of our hearts will affect our lives. And particularly in this time that we're living in, there's a lot of tension around us globally and nationally. There's tension, there's tension politically, tension economically, tension physically with our health and what will happen next. And recently, tensionally racially as well. And this tension around us is, is causing all kinds of uh, affliction in people's hearts and things are happening in people's hearts. And I think there's a degree of anxiety and fear around us. As it says in Luke, we heard just a number of weeks ago that men's hearts will fail. Luke chapter 21, verse 26, men's heart fail because of fear. Men's hearts fail because of fear. And sometimes when there is tension, there's anxiety and there's fear, we can begin to respond in irrational ways. We can respond and allow things into our lives that really can have a negative effect on us. And that's why we need to guard our hearts. And one area I want to look at this morning particularly is, is guarding our hearts against the area of unforgiveness and bitterness. There is great power in forgiveness but there's also great influence over our lives where there's unforgiveness that has been met, uh, left undealt with. And when there's unforgiveness in our hearts and lives, it can have destroying effects over us. It can affect our relationships with, with others. It can affect who we are as people, individuals. It affects our character. 
It will affect our, our future, our plans. It will affect more than anything else. It will affect our relationship with God. So therefore, we need to guard our hearts. And when it talks about watching our hearts with, with all diligence and guarding our hearts, it's that picture of a, of a, of a watchman over the, the fortress, if you like, watching what's going in and coming out. And didn't Jesus himself say, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we can see sometimes what's in our heart just by what we are saying. You know, if there's gossip or there's uh, words of anger or malice or we're constantly speaking about ourselves, it can show the condition of our hearts. But when there's kindness and, and goodness and, and gentleness and blessing that flows from our mouths, we can see again what's in our hearts. We're to guard what's going out of our hearts, but also what's coming into our hearts as well where we place ourselves, what we watch, what we position ourselves around, what we're looking into, what we're taking in, things that we get involved with. And there's a lot of debates and, and conversations going around in the media at the moment. And I'll just say that there's a means to be cautious and uh, what we allow ourselves to be involved in. When it's right that we're aware, of course, of what's going on around us because we need to make informative decisions. We need to bring things before God in prayer. We need to be aware. But more than that, we need to be aware of what God is saying to us. We need to be aware of what impact things around us are having on our hearts. And we need to be cautious that what we're being involved with. And, you know, I want to encourage you to this morning that we begin to be a people that walk in forgiveness as God forgave us. It says in uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse 31 says this. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamour, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There's great words of encouragement there from, from Paul as he wrote the letter of Ephesians, that we are to be people that not allow bitterness or malice or, or anger or, or resentment in our hearts, because as I said, that will be bring destroying effects on us. It can affect also our health as well. But we are to be forgiving and if we struggle to be forgiving, the first place we need to start in terms of learning what it is to forgive is receiving the forgiveness of God. As it says that we forgive one another as Christ forgave us, as God forgave us through Christ Jesus. How has God forgiven us? And some people may say, well, I, I've not done anything to God. Why do I need to ask God's forgiveness? The reality is that we've all sinned and that our sin was placed upon Jesus Christ on the cross and because of our sin, that we need forgiveness and only Jesus Christ can, can wash away our sin. Only him can offer total forgiveness for our sins in our life. And we've all sinned against him. That's why the psalmist said, against you and you alone have I sinned. And maybe we have, we've, we've grieved another, we've offended another, or we've been offended. When sin takes place in our life, it has effects on us. Let me put it this way. If, for example, if maybe just one, one offense is taken against your life. Maybe somebody has said something against you that wasn't true or they've spoken a word of accusation against you. Or they've spoken about you behind your back. Maybe just one area we all know, maybe you can identify with how that affects us in our life. It can hurt. It can cause pain. It can cause division. It can affect us in, in great ways and some more than others, some areas more than others. If there's just one that affects us, imagine the whole world's sin being laid upon Jesus. Yet one affects us to some degree, yet Jesus, the hurt, the pain that it caused him. To think that Jesus took all of my sin, every hurt and every negative thought or, or, or bad thought or sinful thought or action that I've had or done in my life was laid upon Jesus Christ. I need his forgiveness. So only he can pave the way for me to have a relationship with God and release me from all of the guilt and all the shame that my sin has caused. I need his forgiveness. 
God has forgiven us of so much, a debt that we cannot pay in ourselves. No matter how hard we try to live the best life we can live, we've all sinned and fall short and therefore we owe God a great debt. And none of us can pay that debt. Yet God in his mercy, in his grace, in his great love has forgiven me has forgiven you, forgiven us all. He offers forgiveness. That's why on the cross he cried, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Forgiveness he cried and, the, and, the, and the, probably the worst pain that he could have suffered. You know, as the sin came upon him, the world came upon him, as he suffered the death on the cross, he still was able to cry out, forgive them, Father. In the midst of our pain, we too need to cry out, forgive us, forgive others as well. And sometimes being forgiving people means it can be painful, it can be hurtful, it can be difficult, it can be hard. So we need to forgive others as Christ forgave us. In, in Johnny, in, sorry, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, uh, verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, for, forgive our debtors. Verse 14 says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither your father in heaven will forgive your trespasses. Neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. See, God offers forgiveness. It's available to every one of us. But we have to come to him and receive that forgiveness from God. He's waiting for us. And when we receive that forgiveness, the condition is too that as we freely receive that forgiveness, but we too must also forgive as Christ forgave us of all of the debt. We must walk a life of forgiveness. It's a two-way clause. God's forgiveness is freely accessible to every one of us. But if we receive that, and we receive it not just by being sorry or being remorseful, but we need to take that step further and being a repentant people, that means we turn to God and we say, God, I don't want this sin in my life. I, I recognize the damage it's doing to me and to others. I turn to submit my life to you and I surrender and I receive your forgiveness for my life and I walk in the ways of you. And we're responding to God's heart for us as we do. And in doing so and responding to God, that means we want to obey him, that we will forgive others. And that is hard. I'm sure we all can identify how hard it is to forgive people in our lives. But God will give us the strength. But when we realize what we've been forgiven of by God, we find it easy to forgive others. Jesus first loved us. Now we can love others. He forgave us so we can now can learn to walk in forgiveness as he forgave us. Now, how Jesus forgave is so important and so interesting. And I'm so glad that, that Jesus totally forgave me of all my sin. You know, Jesus didn't say to, to me, well, Adam, I, I forgive you of your sin, but I'm never going to speak to you again. No, he forgave me. But not only did he forgive me, but he began to instill trust into my life again. Because when we, when we have been offended in our life, that trust can be broken. It takes a while to bring up, build up trust in people's lives again. You think of Peter when Peter denied Jesus and Jesus reinstated him. And Jesus asked Peter those words, do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, yes, you know, I love you, Jesus. And then Jesus said these words to him. He said, Peter, feed my lambs. After he denied him, but now he's instilling trust to him again. He's entrusting him with the sheep. He's entrusting him with people to love and care and tend for the people that Jesus has also tended and cared for and loves. See, it's about reinstilling trust. And sometimes it may be gradual trust. But when we offer forgiveness, we bring trust in Jesus. When he forgives us, he begins to rebuild trust in our lives again. He begins to show us that he loves us and accepts us and he has a plan for our life. I'm so glad that he does. But not only does he show trust in life, but also when he forgives us, he says that he chooses, you know, he, he doesn't keep a record of our wrongs. 
So often when we forgive people and we say, well, yeah, no, I forgive you. And then something happens and we bring up everything that they've done in the past as though, you know, what they did before it comes up into conversation again. When God forgives us, he keeps no record of wrongs. He doesn't bring out a book, you know, probably be a large book for me. I don't know what size it would be for you, a book and say, start reaccounting all the things that we did in our life. And so, well, you've done it again and reaccount everything that we've ever done wrong and how we've offended him. He doesn't bring that out yet. He chooses to remember our sins no more he doesn't bring up in conversation again and i love that about god when i can have a conversation and the guilt and the shame is dealt with it's a choice when we forgive somebody god doesn't say i i forgive you but i'll, I'll never forget what you've done and i've heard that said before as well i forgive them but i can't forget what they've done to me it hurts so much you see to forget means it's a choice and it may take time to begin to bring that healing in our life but it's still a choice god chooses to remember our sins no more he doesn't want it to be a barrier in our life any longer see when we when we allow unforgiveness and bitterness in our life the person that affects more than anybody is ourselves that's why it says in john chapter 20 verse 23 if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven but if you retain the sins of any they are retained when we keep hold of them in our life that bitterness that root it begins to fester and grow it's a root of bitterness it begins to grow and it begins to feed and you know when we have issues in our life and it's right that we need to deal with it we need to address that issue but once it's dealt with we need to leave it with god and make a decision to say, I'm not going to begin to bring this up. I'm not going to work on this any longer. It's going to be dealt with in my life. I'm not going to keep bringing it up in conversation, begin to talk about it and regurgitate it again and again because we just begin to feed the bitterness. We need to allow it to heal in our lives. You know, where there is hurt, there needs to be healing take place. And, and sometimes what we can have the tendency to do is we forgive somebody, but yet we keep talking about what they've done. And every time we talk about it, we're picking at that wound. We're not allowing it to heal. And we need to not make a choice to say, I'm not going to, I've dealt with it now. I've got to move forward. And that's a hard decision to make. But in doing so, you allow healing to take place in your heart and life. And God can bring healing and he can show his love. And you can see restoration and relationship begin to restore again. That's how God forgives us. And we're told to forgive the way that Christ forgives us. He begins to reinstill trust. He begins to, you know, he chooses to remember our sins no more. He doesn't keep a record of our wrongs, but he begins to move forward and rebuild that relationship in our lives. Forgive as Christ forgave us. I'm so grateful for the great debt of sin. It was too big for me to, to deal with, and yet God paid that debt for me. He offered great forgiveness for me and for you. There's a great example in the in the Old Testament. I just really want to conclude with this morning that I want to reflect upon and uh, of, 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 of reconciliation. We have a God of reconciliation throughout the whole scripture. God's plan is to restore man to God and the barrier of sin between us that God wants to deal with. We see this picture in this great story in, in the Old Testament of Jacob and Esau and how they how they reconciled. And the story is, and if you're, if you're familiar with it, we read in Genesis chapter 32 and 33. But beforehand, we read their story. They're twins that are born and, and Esau is the elder of the twins. So he, as the eldest son, he had the birthrights. He had the, of the inheritance of the father and, 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 and so forth. But Jacob, he got the birthright. He deceived his brother and, and therefore he got the birthright. And his brother Esau was, was he, he was enraged with this. And he, he hated his brother for what he'd done to him. You know, that's what unforgiveness and bitterness can do in our hearts, can bring, breed hatred. 
and that hatred that turned to murder. He wanted to kill his brother. And, you know, he said, I, I wish he was dead. And sometimes we hear people say that when hatred and anger and bitterness gets into our hearts, we can almost wish people weren't on the planet. That's what it does, the devastating effects it can have on our hearts. And that was Esau's, his, his response to what was going on in his heart. So Jacob, he fleed, he ran. And it, we don't read until chapter 32, 20 years later, over 20 years later, so 20 years they've been estranged in their relationship. How many people I've met and they've, 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 they've had a fallout with somebody in their life. And sometimes, sadly, they can't even remember what they fell out over. But for years, they're estranged. For years, they carry this, this weight of, of baggage in their life, this hurt, this unresolved conflict that carries on throughout their life, not realizing that it's affecting their life, it's affecting who they are, it's affecting their relationship with God and their relationship with others, who they become, their destiny, their purpose, and just carry it for all of their life for 20 years. It's unresolved issue sometimes time you know is a good factor when it comes to healing and there does need to be time i i appreciate that but you know that choice of forgiveness must start today i want to get things right now you know for, for god in his mercy and grace he said to jacob one day 20 years later jacob i want you to go back home and in going back home meant he had to pass through eden which meant that he was going to have to go via his brother's house and that meant that he was going to have to have this confrontation with his brother. God was in his mercy, his grace was going to see restoration of this relationship. And maybe today God is wanting to see restoration of relationship. Maybe he's wanting to taint our hearts. Maybe he's getting us ready to be a forgiving people. It's so important. There's so much power and forgiveness. It brings healing. So uh, Jacob, it says in chapter 32, uh, verse 7, it says, Jacob was terrified. By the news, he divided his house along with his flocks and herds and camels into two groups. Notice that he was terrified by the news. Maybe you're sitting here and he's feeling terrified and you're saying, I've got to forgive. It can terrify you, the fact that you have to forgive somebody. But what if they do it again? What if it hurts me again? We, we have the, the what if mentality. We're frightened. What if they don't forgive me? What if restoration of relationship doesn't happen? What if it gets worse? And so therefore we kind of avoid it. But actually the call of heaven, the call of God is to forgive, forgive and totally forgive. He was terrified, but yet he responded to God and he obeyed. You know, when we have a relationship with God, that we love him more, that we want to obey him, that means his, our obedience to him will mean that we will go even when we're afraid and terrified. We will go because our fear and our love for him is far greater than whatever situation we find ourselves in. And remember, God wants freedom. He wants liberty for your life. He wants the best for your life. He's a good father, as we sung about earlier. So Jacob, he went in obedience to his brother. And what's interesting, as he went and before he met his brother, he said that we read in verse chapter 32, verse 20. He sent a messenger ahead and uh, his messenger went to the servant. He said, and be sure to say, look, your servant Jacob is right behind us as he approached Esau. Jacob thought I would try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. And when I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. See, Jacob sent a message ahead, a messenger ahead of him. You know, when we have to get right with somebody, can I encourage you to spend that time in prayer? Begin to say, God, prepare my heart. Lord, I pray blessing on that individual. Lord, I pray their hearts will be prepared. And maybe there needs to be somebody we need to go before who will intervene and begin to say, look, your brother wants to get right with you. He recognizes there's something not right there. Sometimes that may be necessary. 
When God wanted reconciliation with men, he sent his messengers, he sent the prophets, he sent the the, the priests and the kings. He raised up men who prepared the way for Jesus Christ to come. He was preparing the message. And there is a message of the good news of the gospel that God sets in the heart. You know, when the message is forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation, he sent a message. The next thing we see, he sent gifts. He sent gifts ahead of him. You know, your gift will make room. God sent the gift of his one and only son into the world. A gift, the greatest gift he could send, he gave to us of his son. You know, when we send gifts to people, sometimes it can make room in their hearts. And sometimes when maybe it means that we need to send a gift. Maybe we need to gift a blessing, a prayer, a blessing upon them. Maybe it need to be a physical gift of somebody. I know people that bake cakes and meals to bring, bring peace between a relationship so they can make room for them in their hearts. He sent gifts. And then we see, let me read to you. Verse 33, chapter 33, verse 33 to 4 from the New Living Translation again. Then Jacob went ahead. As he approached his brother, something interesting happens now. He bowed down to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they both wept. He did something really interesting right now. Jacob, as he's approaching, and it's almost like as he's walking, he's doing this. It says he bows down, not once, not twice, but seven times. Now, to bow down in the culture of the time was a, was a sign of respect. It's a sign of submission. But why seven times? Now, seven times in the culture was a, it was a picture you know, you'd see often sometimes the servant would come and bow before the king seven times. And that would be a sign of total submission. And what Je- Jacob was saying to Esau, he was saying, I want, yeah, no, I want no power over your life. I'm in total submission to you right now. My heart is yielded to you. And I think that should be a picture of us and God. As God yielded his heart, he yielded his son, gave up everything for us. We too must come in total submission to God. I wonder, have you ever bowed the knee before God? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you got on your knees before him physically as a demonstration? Say, God, I give you everything. Take my life. Take my take, 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 take my money. Take my home. Take everything I have. Lord, I give it to you. Take everything that I am. I give to you and and humble submission come before him and give him everything. Not a part, but everything. You notice it was seven times. and, And, you know, I think this could be a challenge for us this week. And by all means, I'm not telling anybody what to do. But what about? Every day this week, seven days in a week, when you get up in the morning, get on your knees if you're able to and come before God and say, God, I give you this day. I give you my family. I give you my life. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Fill me. Serve me. You are Lord. You're not just just a challenge as a sign of submission between you and God. Nobody else has to see that. It's just you and God. I believe that as we do that, then God will begin to take a hold of our life and he will take that seriously and begin to use us in ways that we could not do before and lead us in ways. If we can't bow the knee, the question is, why not? Why not bow the knee before our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords? If he is everything to us, if he's our Savior and Lord, then surely we can bow the knee before him. One day we know that every knee will bow. It will be forced bowing if we're not surrendered in bowing now. But I choose to bow the knee before my Lord and my maker and my saviour in total submission to him. And when we submit to him, we will submit in even forgiveness. So he bowed the knee in submission as he came closer to, to, to Esau. And then it says that they embraced each other. They wept. 
you know, the embrace of the Father, the reunion, the reconciliation between us and God, but also 20 years of carrying this, this unresolved conflict, 20 years of strange, all of a sudden there's an explosion of healing as they begin to weep and, and weep over each other and, and just it's, it's just almost forgotten and dealt with as now they look forward to move on, longing to have that relationship again. And God longs to have that relationship with every single one of us to be restored for him. And he's waiting like the prodigal son and the, the father's waiting for the son to come back to him. And then they embrace and, and they fall on each other. And God wants to fall upon us with his grace and his love and his compassion and his goodness as we come before him and surrender our lives totally to him. And we see this picture between Jacob and Esau as they're restored. Wouldn't that be great for you? Maybe you've got that in your life. There's somebody somewhere. You're just longing a child, a, a father, a, a friend, a neighbor, a, somebody in, in the church fellowship. I don't know. You're just missing and longing for that relationship. Somebody's going to have to take that step. Don't leave it for them. Let your obedience to God say, I'm going to do this today. God, I hear you speaking to me and I need to respond. The final thing I want to Mention here, and this is what I really want to just conclude with, and I think it's a great point here. In verse 10 of chapter 33, it said, Jacob said, No, please, I found now found favor in your sight. Then receive my present from you, from your hand, inasmuch I have seen your face as though I've seen the face of God, and you are pleased with me. I've seen your face as much as I have seen the face of God. You know, I believe when we live lives of forgiveness, we're enabling people to see the face of God in us. When we live lives that are forgiving, we are able to people to see Christ in us. We live in a world where there is so much hurt, there's so much hatred, there's so much division, there's so much selfishness, there's so much there, uh, uh, broken relationships around us, marriages broken up. But when people walk in forgiveness of God, we can shine the face of Jesus. I know I've mentioned it many times over the weeks, but I just love the story of Stephen when he is demonstrating the love of God and he's speaking the word of God and people are stoning him. There's that hatred, there's that, that anger towards him. And it says that he sees the glories of heaven as he opens his eyes and then Jesus stands from his throne and begins to acknowledge Stephen in that place. But just a few verses later, it says that Stephen had the face of an angel. And I believe that Stephen was glowing, the face of God. I believe as we walk in forgiveness in this world, people will see the face of God. There needs to be a people of forgiveness. God's church are the people that can walk in forgiveness. Why? Because we've experienced the forgiveness of Christ. We know it. We live in it. And now God says, as you've received forgiveness, now go and forgive. Go and bless. Go and forgive this world. Not as though for, for your own benefit, but for God, for him. But it will benefit your life. It will free you. It will liberate you. It will enable you to walk closer to God and closer with others. So God has freely given his forgiveness to us. We too must freely forgive as though we've forgiven God, that the face of Jesus will shine through each and every single one of us. That's the word I really wanted to bring us this morning to encourage you all. We're going to come around this time together, the table, as we re reflect on communion together. But, you know, this is a place of forgiveness, it's a place to remember what Christ has done for us. And Paul said in Corinthians, on the very night that Christ was betrayed, he broke bread. That tells me that Jesus walked in forgiveness, even at the place of betrayal where he was betrayed. He still forgave. 
In the midst of dying on the cross, he offered forgiveness. In the midst of his hurt and pain and betrayal, he broke bread and gave forgiveness. And right now, whatever you're feeling, whatever may have happened to you this week or in your life, or maybe 20, 30 years ago, I believe the Lord is saying to you today, as Jesus will come again soon, he wants our hearts to be guarded and right. Forgive. So as we come around this time together, can I encourage you, maybe let's examine our hearts together and invite the Holy Spirit to make us a forgiving people. And there are people that we need to forgive. Then today, let's get that right now. So, Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you, Lord. You took our sin. You took our pain. You took our shame and our guilt and you set us free. So no longer do we have to carry that weight, Father, that burden upon our lives. And we say thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed for each and every one of us to wash us. Thank you, Lord, there's forgiveness found in you. And Lord, may we all experience that forgiveness and great power that would be a people who walk in that forgiving power in our lives. So Lord, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.